I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you that every ear is anointed to hear, every heart's anointed to receive. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 6 and verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. You know, there are certain things in our life that should be foundational. There are certain things that what we call the first principles of, of the Word of God. So notice here, he says, leaving the first principles. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 5 that just straight right a few verses before this, it says in Hebrews 5.12, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And you're becoming such as need of milk and not a strong meat. How many know that we should be growing in our knowledge of God? We should be growing in the things of God. <clears throat> he says, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. But I want to look at this here, what we call foundational um, doctrines of Christ. How many know that Jesus is the head of the church? He's building his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says here, the foundation of repentance from dead works. So when you're born again, the, the foundation is you repent from dead works. You turn away from sin. Is that right? And of faith towards God. And those two go together. You repent from something and you, you have faith towards God at the same time. Of the doctrine of baptisms. You know, it's a foundational thing. The, the different baptisms. And there's three different baptisms you could talk about. Number one, the baptism into the body of Christ where you're born again. The, the Holy Spirit places you into the body. That's not something natural. You know, you can, you can be on the roster of every church in Dickinson and not be born again. It takes being born again, being, uh, having a new birth certificate. <laughs> and so we, we see that that's the first baptism. There's the baptism in water. If you would like to be baptized in water, um, we have a sign-up sheet back there. And so... Um, you know, we don't take you in a dirty river around here. We, we, take, we, we go into a hotel uh, pool and, and baptize you. Then there's also the baptism in the Holy Spirit where Jesus is the baptizer. Where two, Acts 2.4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. <clears throat> but then he goes on to say, laying on of hands. That's a doctrine of Christ. Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. But I want you to look at this one right here. Notice he says, and the laying on of hands. 
I want to speak to you today about the ministry of laying on of hands. Because a lot of people may have the same background that I did. I grew up in a, in a mainline church where, as I said, things were quiet. And things were, um, I, I remember growing up, there was a, um, there was a place, <clears throat> um, had this sign up and it said, quiet church. Well, the problem is, is not only was that sign outside, it was inside, like inadvertently, that people see that and that it's, it's got to be quiet on the inside. And so, you know, we, I was totally uh, unfamiliar with what we call the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, where word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And, and the beginning of all of the gifts of the Spirit is the simple, our prayer language where we speak in other tongues. How many have the same background where you, you, you thought, man, what is this? Just like Peter, you know, what meaneth this? Peter had to explain, this is that. This is what? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so one of the things, though, that, you know, people, if they're not familiar with the things of God, they just need some good instruction in, in what the Bible says. It's all kind of the same things. Speaking in tongues. Laying hands on people. And then when you start talking about someone falling under the power of God, that really can shake someone and rattle their cage. <clears throat> but all of these things we see in the Bible. And so here he says, <coughs> the laying on of hands is a, is a fundamental doctrine of Christ. One minister was talking to another and he emphasized the laying on of hands. And this guy said, boy, the way you talk about it, you make it to, to be like a doctrine of the church. He said, well, I didn't have to. Jesus already did that. <laughs> it's a fundamental doctrine of Christ, the laying on of hands. How many know when we see, and I'm not going to turn to some of these scriptures, but I'll just highlight them. Remember Jesus, the Bible says that they, they came to Jesus because they wanted hands to be laid upon them. He wanted to, they wanted Jesus to minister to them. And of course, the disciples many times said and rebuked him and said, you know, the master's busy. Leave him alone. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. I mean, obviously, kids love Jesus. You know, Jesus was not stuffy and, you know. One thing about kids, they, they, they don't have any pretenses at all. They'll let you know, won't they? <laughs> They'll let you know everything. You know, that, that worker, such and such, I, I, I didn't like them. Or, I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about people in general. That's the way the kids are. I didn't like them. Their breath was bad. I didn't like them. This was that. You know, kids just, they'll tell you and think about it later. But we see that Jesus, they, they wanted Jesus to, to touch them. Why? Just to bless them. And that's what it says. Just to bless them. Amen. And so, one of the things also that we see is, uh, all throughout the Bible, we see laying out of hands for healing. What does the Great Commission, Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them believe. 
In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, that's part of the, the great commission. I shall lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So that's, that's what's supposed to happen in my life. And the Bible says that signs follow them that believe. Signs don't follow the preacher. They follow them that believe. If I believe, signs are going to follow me. Say that. Because I believe, signs follow me. See, I'm not going out to, to, to follow signs. Signs are following me. People are always looking for a sign. Always looking for something, you know. But signs shall follow me. But we also see this. We see that the Bible says that Peter and John were used by the Lord to, to pray for people that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read over in the book of Acts. This is just a little intro to what we're going to get to this morning. But I want you to see that the, the ministry of laying on the hands is not just something that certain groups do. This is Bible. This is what the plan of God is. For instance, we see in, in Acts 5, we see verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. By the hands of the apostles. Now we know in a general sense that we, are, we become the hands of God. But God wants us to use our hands. You know, the Bible says it's through the foolishness of preaching that God has people saved. <laughs> and so... You know, it's, it's, sometimes it can be a foolish thing. Something as simple as laying on of hands to the carnal mind. See, the carnal mind can't figure it out. <clears throat> but we see um, different places where Peter and John went down. It says that they would pray for them, that they would receive the Holy Ghost, and they would lay hands on them. We see in Acts chapter 19 talking about Paul. Paul went to the upper coast of Ephesus and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So that shows you there's a separate experience besides salvation. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. He said, unto what were you baptized? He said, John's baptism, which was one of repentance, that you should believe on him who was coming. Well, they had to say, okay, Jesus already came. He died, rose again, and, and now you can cash in on that. And also, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and look what happened here in Acts 19. In verse 6, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. <clears throat> so we see that one of the, the big ministries of laying on hands is for people to have the Holy Spirit imparted unto them yep. as a point of contact. Yeah. When I lay my hands on you, you're, the Holy Ghost will come on you and you're going to receive. Yeah. That's what we pray. Yeah. <clears throat> when, I, when I do that, when I lay hands on you, the power of God's going to come on you. When I, when I lay my hands on you, yeah. the power of God's going to come on you and heal you. Yeah. Not if, but he will. Amen. Not maybe, but he's going to heal you. And you just have that boldness. Yeah. 
But we also see this. We see in the Bible, the ministry of laying on the hands, we see to commission believers. The Bible says in Acts 13, now there was at the church certain prophets and teachers that named five different men, began with Barnabas and it was Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. See, they already had that calling on the inside, and God had already called them to do something. But now, after they had spent this time worshiping and praising and fasting, the, the Lord said, okay, now it's time. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. You know, you can have a call of God on your life, but it doesn't mean you're ready to step into it. <laughs> I mean, some people say, well, you know, I got, I got to go save the world. So in the, in the midst of that, a lot of people, they, they need some schooling in the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. And we can school people here, but, you know, I thank God I went to Bible school. You know, I didn't just say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I even, I just knew I should go. I, di- I didn't have a full plan. I just knew I should go. <laughs> I knew the Lord was saying, go. And, and he just worked everything else out. But the ministry of laying on the hands, it says here, Acts 13. <clears throat> And when they fasted, verse 3, and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. See, that's important that you, you're sent by the Holy Ghost. And they departed into Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So when, when they had this time where they were being separated, the Bible says they laid their hands on them. So there's a time of separation. I can remember even when Pastor LaShawn and I uh, were first licensed uh, through the, the, the organization we're, we're licensed and ordained with, hands were laid upon us. And then when we were ordained 12 months later, the same thing. And there's, a, there's a, something that is imparted. And see, that's the thing that people need to understand is the ministry of impartation. To a lot of people, it's laying empty hands on empty heads. But it's not. (laughs) There's something that is imparted by the laying on of hands. Great things that are imparted by the laying on of hands. And I know that there's been many a times where things were imparted through the laying on of hands. Things sometimes that you may not even see right away. And that's why we encourage people. You know, anytime we have an altar call and, and we say, who wants more of God? And one person comes forward. That, that should not be. It should be, okay, I, I don't know what I need right now, Lord, but I need something. And, and Lord, I'm just come to receive. And, and what, what happens is, is through the ministry of laying on of hands, something is imparted. Now, the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. You should be careful about who lays hands on you. You know, one of the things that even like our pastor holding revival throughout the, the, the countries of the world and through this, through this nation, he would lay hands on people. And in fact, I mean, Pastor Roddy believes in the laying on of hands. There was one time he, he prayed 
9,000 people one afternoon. Now, that's a lot of filled, 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 more. <laughs> and that's a, lot of, that's a lot of praying. He said it took him five and a half hours. He said there's a lot of people through the years he probably should have never laid hands on because they never did anything with it. But be careful with, with who lays hands on. And so what happened was he has one of the things that he always said was, you know, in his meetings even today, he'll say, you know, what they, they put a stipulation out there because what happens is you don't know every person that comes in. And what happened is there was people that were coming in and these witches that came in and were laying hands on people, endeavoring to impart what they had. So that's why he always said, hey, we don't know everybody. We don't know where your hands have been. <laughs> Amen. And so <laughs> somebody could just come right off the, right out of um, doing some kind of ritual and, oh, we're going to go minister to these people and put, try to put something on somebody. But the Holy Ghost is bigger. But suffice it to say, there is an impartation through the laying on of hands. Hallelujah. But I want to hit this side of it for the rest of the time this morning. And it's this. Why do people fall under the power? That's a good question, isn't it? Now, now you know, just like I said earlier, when I first came around people that believed what the Bible said, I'm just going to say it like that. Just people who believe the Bible. <laughs> There's nothing more than that. And allow those things to happen. I, you know, I personally thought, boy, I've seen some strange things today. Just like the Bible says. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't grow up in a church where they spoke in tongues. And I was probably 15 years old. And my mom, uh, I went to church with her. And, um, you know, they, the first thing they did is they raised their hands. The music was lively. They had a tambourine in the front, you know, and just like had, had a, um, you know, it wasn't a hymn book anymore. It was a um, transparency up there. And, and, you, and it was usually the praise and work, the, the pastor's wife. She was the praise and worship leader, and, which meant she moved the, the slides. And she would just like this, and she would just move like this and hit, hit the tambourine and, and, and move the slide at the same time. Feet wouldn't really move, but she would just rotate all the way around, you know. And so we, and that was where we sang all those songs in the same key. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. <laughs> but you know, all of that was new to me, and, and laying hands on people. And so you would see that, but then when you'd start seeing, why is that person standing behind that person? You know, well, because they they had experienced what we call falling under the power of God. Now, one of the, um, I can't remember if it was Amy Simple McPherson or which one, or Maria Woodworth Etter, but one of the things that they prayed back then, because they knew the power of God, is let the slain of the Lord be many. <laughs> and the reason they said that was because when you look in the Bible, you see other instances, we'll see here in a minute, where people, they looked like they were dead. They were slain. So that's what they were saying. And that's where that, that term came from, slain in the spirit. It's not that God just killed somebody. You know, it's not that, you know, God just took their life. Now, that could happen if your name was Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> Amen? 
you know, our pastor tells a story also. You know, he was in a, in a meeting, and he had a guy that, that actually died. He had a heart attack. He, was a, he even, um, his heart exploded, actually. And um, so, you know, you never know if, if someone is, they could tell, you know, just because of his, of his breathing and different things. And he breathed out his last. And the Lord said he came home. And all the people were just like looking for him to do something. And he said, Lord, what do I do? He said, well, he's come home to be with me. And after that time, people were just looking at him, just glaring. He said, you've seen how quick someone can go and pass over to the other side. If you died right now, where would you spend eternity? And he said the altar was flooded with like 200 people. Why? Because they just saw someone die. And step over to the other side. So I want you to turn over to John chapter 18. I want to look at some different instances in the Bible where we see people falling under the power of God. This is, it's nothing new. It's nothing that's anything to be afraid of. But I want you to see what the scripture says. John 18, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where there was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, he went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Now what's interesting, when you look at this, that word he is in italics. So basically Jesus just says, I am. How many remember what, what Moses, who he encountered? Who, sh- who, sh- who should I tell has sent me? I am that I am has sent you. So that's the name of God, I am. Remember, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees one time, and he says, you know, you're you're not yet 50 years old. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. (laughs) And boy, they really got ready to throw rocks at him then because he was making himself to be God, which he was and is. So he says, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am, he, they went backward and fell to the ground. What do you think that was? Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus is Nazareth. I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. So we see that the power of God hit these people, hit these men. He says, I am he. They fell over backwards. You say, yeah, but they were in the very presence of Jesus. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. So he's here with us today. He's here with us. In that same presence, let me say it like this. When the natural and the supernatural come in contact with each other, if you really want a real simple definition, 
when the, the natural and the supernatural come together, something has to give. Yep. And it's not going to be the supernatural. <laughs> Look over in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Always like that. Angel rolled back this huge stone and just sat on top of it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became his dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. He goes on to tell them about that he's coming back. But notice here it says that the, for fear of him, the keepers did shake and they became his dead men. What does that mean? They encountered this, these angels. They became as dead men. I mean, most dead men, they're not standing. What happened? They encountered the presence of God. They were visibly shaking, and they fell to the earth. Someone said, yeah, well, they were in the presence of a heavenly being. Well, I'll tell you, there came a heavenly being, the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, <laughs> as of a rushing mighty wind, like a rushing mighty wind, and filled all the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues as of fire. You know, a lot of people today would say, you know, and there was, we were there, and, and you know, if you ask some of the people that were there, well, you know, we were just waiting and praying, and there was a gentle breeze that just came through the room. No, the Amplified says, as of a mighty tempest blast. A mighty tempest blast. You know, no, no rocket from Cape Canaveral ever goes without, you know, there was something great that happened, but we don't know what, you know, there was a rocket that took off with no noise. No, it's always with great fire. It's always with great power. Amen. So much that, you know, it's just like in the natural. What happens when you see a fire truck? People stop. I mean, people may have had a deadline to get to, but they'll go follow that fire truck, see where it went. No one ever, you know, followed an ice wagon yet. But people follow a fire. And if you want something to, to go up, you want something to, to move somewhere, then you need great power. You need great fire. That's it. He says, I, that he that comes after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Some people have had the Holy Ghost, but they need a lot more of the fire. Yes. There, there needs to be some firepower. Yeah. Just like, like Samson, yeah. the Bible says that he set fire to the tails of these 300 foxes, which is an amazing feat to even catch these things. Yeah. And so he takes them and, and ties them two by two. And, and, and they go, sets the, the fire on them, and there's something that just tells them 
by necessity, they have to go. <laughs> there's, there's just something that, and they just, they just take off through the enemy's camp. Why? Because of fire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> so pe- one thing about it, people are okay with going a little bit, but don't go too far. Don't go too extreme. People are as comfortable as their spiritual training allows them to be. So we see, there, we see several different instances through the Bible, but we also see through church history as well. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, he was in a meeting one, one time, and this lady, she fell over, prostrate on, the, prostrate on the ground, fell straight on her face. And so he had never experienced that before. He said, you know, I don't know what's going on. He said, is there a doctor in the house? Three doctors came up and examined her. Said, well, you know, it's nothing physical, but she's under some kind of spell or something. And so here, here's, she was. He said, I didn't know what to do, so I, we just waited. He said, well, whoever gets the glory for this when she comes out of it will know who, who did it. So they waited 45 minutes. And just sat there. She began to stir after 45 minutes. And, and the first thing she did was, praise the Lord, glory to God. He said, it's God, it's God, it's God. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he experienced all these things. People like George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a, a powerful minister of God. He would go in places and people would do just like Zacchaeus. And they climb up a tree to hear him and to see him. And he said, young man, um, come out of the tree, because when I start preaching, the power is going to hit you. Sure enough, they'd be in the town square, and people would just be out everywhere. Thud, 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 thud. In the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so that's the same thing that we see today. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. So one of the things we see when it comes to falling under the power, we see lying prostrate on the ground. There's three different kinds of prostration. Number one, voluntary. Where you just say, I'm going to kneel. I'm going to kneel before the Lord. I'm going to pray. That's something that you can do. And that's a good thing to do. It's actually you, you humbling yourself. And so you, you humble yourself. But then we also see prostration under a heavy burden of prayer. We see Jesus doing that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where the Bible says his, his sweat became as drops of blood under this heavy anointing. But then thirdly, we see this. Being overwhelmed by God's presence. Being overwhelmed by God's presence. Where, I mean, and, and there's different things, I mean... People may even be in a trance. People see something like that and think it's the devil. But the Bible says that Peter, when, when he was praying, he said that, that Peter was up on the housetop. Remember in Acts chapter 10. Yep. And it said that he was hungry. He was going to get some meat. And he said, but he fell into a trance. The Greek actually said he fell over bodily. Yep. 
he fell into a trance. A trance is when your physical senses are suspended. You don't know where you're at. How many remember what happened to, to, to Paul? He said, I knew a man in Christ. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Who, who was called up to the third heaven. Now, all scholars believe that he's talking about himself. But he didn't know where he was. He said, in, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. And so when you're overwhelmed by God's presence. <clears throat> hallelujah. I want you to look over in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we're going to give you several witnesses. And I already have. Hold your place in Acts 9. I'm going to read from Matthew 17. The Bible says in Matthew 17, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bring them them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as a light and behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him then answered Peter and said unto Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here I mean I know that Peter he had the, the foot and mouth disease and any number of times he he's put his mouth his foot in his mouth he said, Lord, if you will, let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they just carried on as normal. He says, They fell on their face and were sore afraid. That's how you know if someone's had an encounter with God. You know, it's, it's not nonchalant. It's not just old hat. It's not just, well, yeah, by the way, I had a, a visitation of the Lord, and he visited me, and yeah, okay. You know, if something's going to change. Your, your, your knees are going to have fellowship one with the other. And, and this is what happened there. And it says they were sore afraid. But Acts 9. This is the encounter that Saul the Tarsus had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And we see that this is when... He gives his life to the Lord. He says, Lord, what shall I do? He says, go into the city and it shall be told. But then if, as we look over in Acts chapter 26, this is Paul defending his case before King Agrippa. And you should read that whole chapter, but one of the things that he tells let me look in verse 14. Verse 13, he said, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journey with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth. 
So not only did, did Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, not only did he fall under the power of God, the Bible says we were all fallen, all of those with him, but only one. See, and he, he goes on to say that everyone heard the voice, but no one saw Jesus but him. And Jesus appeared to him. And he says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And so when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking in me and saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So we see that when the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, something has to give. So let me explain like this. It's like electricity. And it's, it's not about falling or not falling. Fall or not to fall, that is the question. <laughs> it's about receiving. That's it. yes. It's about receiving. So people, people get more constant. Is there an usher behind me? It, can they catch me? Can they really catch me? <clears throat> people get enamored by that instead of receiving. That's why sometimes it would be better to set someone on the front row and say, okay, sit down. I'm going to lay hands on you here. Why? Because then they can receive and concentrate on receiving. But it's about receiving and it's about a, as we said earlier, a transference of the anointing. Anyone ever got a hold of a live wire? Who's ever got a hold of, of 110 or 220 or did you have did you have an experience? <laughs> See, the anointing is transferable. The anointing is tangible. Let me say it like this. The anointing is not just a something, it's a someone. That's why we know the person of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is His presence and His power that comes upon us. And you sense Him within. You know Him within. You fellowship. Jesus says you know Him. So the Holy Spirit, you know, when you sense him, you sense the anointing. You sense his approval. You sense his stamp, his endorsement. So the anointing is a heavenly materiality. And the anointing flows just like electricity. Well, how many know electricity, there are certain conductors that are good and there are some that are not. You know, there are certain things, I mean, wood, no, no. I mean, that's, that's not good. But there's other things that are, that are really good conductors, water. And so you just have to know those things. Just, just like it is in the natural, people can be good conductors. I mean, you can lay hands on somebody, and even if you feel the power of God, you, it can go into someone, but you can feel it come back. And that's why let that... Let that go through you. Let receive that. Why? Because that power, you know what the anointing is for? It's for a purpose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a purpose. That's what Jesus said. Because he hath anointed me. Because he hath anointed me. Because of the, the, anointing, because of the anointing coming on me, the Spirit of God. See, His presence comes upon you. See, there, you have the Spirit within, but you also have the Spirit upon. 
So we need the Spirit upon us. That's what Acts chapter 2 is. You shall receive power, chapter 1, verse 8, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. There is a purpose in the power. So that, you know, it's up to us in life to be a good conductor of that power and a good receiver. Amen. I want you to look real quickly over in Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5. And look in verse 16. And he withdrew himself, talking about Jesus, into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. Now, how many know that was not his biggest fans? They were not the biggest supporters of the ministry. It says that they were sitting there, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, let me ask you this. How was the power of the Lord present to heal them? Why was it there? How was it there? Well, because Jesus was carrying it, but he also, because he was teaching. If you teach on salvation, the power to be saved is there. If If you want people to be healed, then what do you do? You teach on healing. If you want people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, then you teach on that. If you want people to come out of poverty, then you teach on that. If you want people to be full of joy, you teach on that. If you want the gifts of the Spirit, you don't just pray about it. Because that was one of the things Gordon Lindsay said. You don't, you don't just pray about it, you teach it. And as you teach it, what happens? Faith comes where the will of God is known. But, but here these guys are sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, if you keep reading... He goes on to talk about this one man that had the palsy, that the, the four men that led him down through the roof. How many know that story? They led him through the roof. So I want you to understand the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but them never got healed. Only him got healed. I know that's not good English, but that's the way it, it talks about them, but they never got healed. They never benefited from the anointing. Why? They weren't good conductors. But all of a sudden, here comes him, this man that's let down through the roof. He says, you know what? I I can't get to Jesus. And they say, we'll get you down there. Now, you know it takes faith on all five of those men. Because what if you're on this cot, you know, in this this little bed, and they're going to let you down through the roof? What What if you just slip off like a bag of potatoes? You're done. So you have to have faith that they're going to get you through there. But those four men had to have faith too that that we're going to get him through and that he's going to get healed. You know, what if Jesus rebukes us? What if Jesus, you know, casts us out, you know, and and has nothing to do with us? But the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Faith can be perceived and faith can be seen. Just like Acts chapter 14, Paul seeing that man... Perceiving he had the faith to be healed, he said, 
Hey, you believe, don't you? Stand up right on your feet. And it said the man went walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. See, faith is a lot more perceptible than people think. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh or speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, whatever's on the inside of you, it's going to eventually come out. You know, if you're full of sports, it's going to come out. If you're full of fishing, it's going to come out. If you're full of soap operas, it's going to come out. (laughs) But the power of the Lord was present to heal. They just didn't receive. So let me just say this, just to wrap some of these things up. It's not about falling. It's about receiving. It's about yielding. One of the things we have to learn as a, as a Christian is to learn to yield. To yield to the Holy Ghost. And that word yield, it simply means this. To act on the promptings. To act on the promptings of the Spirit. For instance, you know, sometimes when you minister to people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you pray for them and you say, you know the power of God came on them, but they never spoke. So that means one of two things. That means that, number one, they didn't have faith. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came upon them. He said that he would come upon them. And if they say, no, I didn't sense, then, then it's a lack of faith. But if they say, well, yeah, I did everything but speak in another language. Well, you're not supposed to keep from it. You're supposed to yield. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the other side is yielding. So what does it mean to yield to the Holy Spirit? It means to act on the promptings. I know when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I just felt it was real basic. It wasn't a a long, flowing language. And I didn't sing three songs in other tongues like some people have. It was just, uh, you know, just a few words. I mean, baby talk for sure. You know, I'm just, just new in the things of the Spirit like that. But I just began to, to yield to those promptings. I had a, a pastor 20 years ago. He, he said that he, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he said the word Gita Gitagoda. <laughs> and so he would just pray, Gitagoda, Gitagoda, Gitagoda. He said he went up to this one place and he's there by the river. He's watching the river go, Gitagoda, Gitagoda. And then it, he had a fast curtain and he was just Gitagoda, Gitagoda, Gitagoda. <laughs> And that was just him. That was his experience with the word, with the Lord. Gita Goda. And so, you know, no matter what you have, you, you, you can develop it. I mean, the things of the Spirit are developed. You just, you might feel like you got one or two words. You just keep practicing. You keep speaking and the Lord will keep adding to you. Amen. So, but what happens if you don't yield to those promptings? Then you won't be filled. You know, it's the same way with joy. You know, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Out of your belly flows joy. Joy is not up here. Joy is in here. And let me say it like this. You think with your head, but you drink with your heart. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. That's why Jesus said in, in John 7, 37, 
He that is thirsty, let him come unto me and pray. No, he said, let him come unto me and drink. As the scripture said, for out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So if you, if you want to be filled, you have to drink. Far too many believers are too dry. Amen. You know, people say, well, you know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1985. But you leaked out the next year and you hadn't been refilled. Amen. You got to be refilled. Hallelujah. So it's not about falling. It's not a doing a courtesy drop. Well, you know, if I don't fall, then the minister's going to think I didn't receive. I better just fall. <laughs> Amen. It's not just about being nice to the minister or to the usher. And, oh, man, they really received. Amen. You know, I'm not going to put on anything. I don't care if the best of the best lay hands on me. If, if I don't fall, I don't fall. I'll just give you, a, for instance, just for, there was a, um, this one guy, he was a, uh, he's a pastor today, but he was a, one of my instructors in Bible school. He was with Brother Hagin back in the early days of working with him. He said it was the first time they went on the road together. And he's sitting there, he said, I'm here driving with Brother Hagin to the meeting. And of course, you think all these things, what should I ask him, you know, and all these kind of questions. But he said it's really quiet. He, he comes up behind him. I think he was in the front seat. Brother Hagin was in the back seat. And really quiet man, you know. He's a real quiet person. He just grabs the hole of the back of this seat right here and just shakes the seat. Woo! 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 He said, boy, did you feel that? He thought, oh, God. He said, I, you know, I didn't feel anything, you know, and I just said... It's like, you know, but that's Brother Hagin back there, you know. The man who's had eight multiple visions of, of Jesus. Three of them were an hour and a half each. And here I'm like dead in the first reader. And um, <laughs> what do I even say about this? He said, uh, he said, no, sir, I didn't. He said, me neither. <laughs> but what if he would have just said, you know, what if he would have said, oh, yeah, praise God, glory to God, I felt that. Then he would have known that he was a, a fake, you know. But, you know, I'm not going to fake something. If I, I mean, I've had people lay hands on me. I remember one time we were in a meeting and uh, my wife was there too. And the minister did like they did in the old days where they didn't go down the line. You went down the line to them. And uh, the minister was just standing here. And so people would walk in a straight line. So here I am just walking down, walking down like this. He lays hands on me and I go into orbit like six feet up in the air. So, you know, I wasn't planning that. But what happened? The natural came in contact with the supernatural and something had to give. Thank you, Lord. So yield to the promptings. So it's not about, about falling, as I said, or a courtesy drop. Yet, don't resist the power of God. Do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 7? When, when Stephen, at the end of his life, right before he gets stoned, he has this great message, and he ends this great message by saying this. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you stiff-necked people. Well, you know, that was the last message he ever preached. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. And um, 
See, that's what always happens to preaching. You're either going to humble yourself and repent or you'll harden yourself and resist. You, you'll just say, you know, that, that, I'm not going to have that. Do you know that our pastor was in a place one time? He was preaching. <laughs> you can write books about the things you see in church, you know. But anyway, he said something. This lady got out, goes, and, and the lady gave like several hundred dollars in offering. So it wasn't that she was mad at, at giving, but she was just mad at, at, at Pastor Rodney. She went out, went to the back, turned around, and gave him the bird. Gave him the middle finger. It was the pastor's wife. So you never know what you'll see in church. <laughs> People can resist the Holy Ghost. I said that to say, you either are going to embrace the message or you'll resist the message. There's usually no middle ground. It's one or the other. That woke a few people up. <laughs> but the Bible says in Revelation 1, remember Jesus when he appeared to John, the book of Revelation? It says, I fell at his feet as dead men. See, that's what happens when you encounter the, the presence of God. There's, there's sometimes where you just you feel overcome by the presence of God. Yeah. And, and you just you kneel before him, you, you fall down. Sometimes the Bible talks about where the, the presence of God would hit like Ezekiel. And actually, not only just knock him down, but also stand him back on his feet. Like I said, when that starts happening, people really will get excited. <laughs> but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, my, my speech and my preaching, Paul said, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. See, what do, what do we, what's the tendency of flesh? It's, the tendency of flesh is to be impressed by flesh. Boy, they were a good speaker. They, they, they really had it today, you know, and... They used all the big words today, and pastor really had it, you know. It's not about excellent speech. He says, don't have your faith in the, the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should stand in the power of God. Amen. So our, our, um, our faith is not just... Now, the Word of God is, is first, but the, the Word of God is always confirmed with signs and signs following. Yep. Preaching with demonstration. Yes. Preaching with demonstration. My speech and preaching was not when enticing words, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And when the power of God comes into a place... People react differently, don't they? People cry. People weep, weep. They wail. I mean, like, like my, my wife said, she was a crier for a long time. <laughs> I know some people there, the power of God hits them and they, and they dance. And, and you know where, where people come from by the way they dance. 
Amen. There's a certain charismatic dance. I mean, there's a certain dance that people do if you come from a certain part of the country. Some people run. The power of God runs, it hits them. You know, it's like one person said, will, will all Catholics go to heaven? They said, the person responded, if they're born again, they will. Will, will um, Nazarene, will they go to heaven? If they're born again. Will Charismatics, if they don't run past it first. <laughs> Amen. There's many different ways you can respond to the presence of God. Amen. I've run with the best of them. I've danced with the best of them. I've, I've broke furniture. You know, I've, I've run into people and fallen down. You know, Just because it's the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you still can't get hurt. I've still had bruises. <laughs> There's a sign, a sign we need to put here that says run all the same way. You know. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. But I just want you to understand that you know, whatever we do, we always have scripture for what we do. And, and laying hands is a, on people is, is not a scary thing. It's, it's a biblical doctrine. It's a point of contact. You know, sometimes even just a, shaking someone's hand. When, when you pray for somebody, just grab their hand. Say, you know, Father, in Jesus' name, as we pray, two, two of us together agree in, as touching this that we ask you. It's just a, it's a point of contact. And let, let me say this. With the laying on of the hands, the head is a good general area. Amen. It's a good safe place. You know, especially as a man, you know, you, the head, when you're laying hands on, on a woman, the head is a good place. When you're laying hands on a, on a man, the head is a good place. I'm just giving some good general, you know, practical things. Amen. And notice, notice this. It's the laying on of hands. It's not the pushing off of hands. You don't make up for lack of anointing with pushing somebody. We never push people. We never have pushed people. Laying on of hands. Amen. I've, I've been in services years ago where this one lady, um, she was actually a pastor on, on staff at a church I was at. You were going down, brother, whether, whether you felt it or not. I mean, it was like, <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. But when hands are laid upon you, great things happen because it's the ministry. It's through Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And impartation happens. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the transference of the anointing. Father, we thank you that your anointing removes every burden, destroys every yoke of bondage. And Lord, we just thank you for that anointing that's even here now. Lord, that as we, we tap into the anointing by faith, we know, Lord, that the, the power can be present, but faith must activate it. So, Lord, we activate <clears throat> through faith the anointing in every area of our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name.